Welcome to the Wild River Podcast. This is a podcast celebrating self-expression, self-truth, you know, making a life that is the expression of your soul, of your heart, of your values, and making a life that supports your joy. My name is Sam. I am your podcast host. I am a environmental lawyer. I'm a coach. I'm a human design reader, and I'm really happy to be here. This is a fun conversation for me. I had this wonderful conversation with a dear friend of mine, Nadia, last. Nadia is the host of her own podcast called The Current. She actually is also released this exact podcast episode yesterday, so um, know that it's a duplicate. And she's an intuitive coach and a phenomenal human design reader. We wanted to get on here and share some conversations that we have been having kind of behind closed doors. Nadia and I talk every day. We are introduced between a, uh, from a close friend in the fall. One of the wonderful things about me and Nadia's friendship is that there is very little small talk. We go right into the deep end. We started like this. We first connected, really connected over her podcast when she launched it last fall and basically haven't stopped. It's so special to have somebody that you can share, you know, exactly what's on your heart and be met there and then kind of have that reciprocated. During these last several weeks of the world's or excuse me, the country starting to op- open up after, you know, over a year of strict COVID restrictions. I am in New York. Nadia is on the West Coast. Excuse me. I have been in New York. Now I live in Vermont, currently in Vermont. Nadia is on the West Coast in California. And things have opened up very quickly. And with that brings all these different emotions. I We both sense somewhat of a chaotic energy. There is this kind of quick, fast pace, time to get moving again. It can spark some like existential questions for my career path, like what am I doing? Some anxiety, some fear, some excitement, some optimism, and all these emotions are coming on so fast. You know, we were, every so much about our lives changed for these 15 months, and now we're going back to some semblance of normalcy, and it brings up a lot. Nadia and I have been talking about this privately and we, you know, we're like, why don't we put this out there and invite others to join us in this intimate conversation and to meet us here. So in this podcast episode, we talk about what it's like, you know, have some reflections over what this COVID period meant for us, what we experienced during it, how it's feeling to open back up, how we are staying grounded during this time. We also talk about other things like the power of emotions, the power of navigating emotions, which is true for this period of our life, but I think, you know, applies to all different seasons of life. And at the end, we announce our first workshop that we're doing as co-conspirators, as collaborators. It is a grounding new moon circle. It'll take place on Monday, July 12th at 5 p.m. Pacific time, 8 p.m. Eastern time via zoom we'll start with a grounding meditation some visualization we'll go into some journaling and then some sharing in circle we basically were like what do we want to attend right now and what we are really seeking in our lives is feeling grounded feeling connected look i'm about to be on like 
in four states over the next, gosh, three weeks, I think. Um, I'm going to be on a bunch of planes. I'm seeing a ton of friends. I'm so excited. I What I really want to bring into this and hold on to during this wonderful time of reunions and travel and seeing some amazing concerts, I have like a bunch of concerts lined up during this time, is to feel centered and grounded and feel connected. And that's what this circle will be about. We'd love for you to join us. You can check it out, read about it, sign up at wildriver.live. It's on my website. And then there's a workshops page and the information's there. We'd love for you to join us. We'd love to have you. I also wanted to let you know that in this podcast episode, We start with a meditation that I lead Nadia through, a grounding meditation. I think our initial thought was to leave it out, but we think it could be really supportive. It's powerful, and we want you to have the opportunity to listen to it, maybe to even get grounded, take a few minutes, follow along with these breaths before listening to this podcast or saving it for later and and starting your your day, ending your day. taking a break and and connecting to help you feel connected to yourself and to earth and grounded as you move through the day. This meditation was something that I learned from Rachel Flotenhauer, who is an incredible energetic healer and um, channeler, channel, earth channel through her company, Vast Earth. Rachel's my aunt. She's also been an incredible spiritual teacher for me, and she taught me this meditation And it has been so supportive and helpful for me. I'm excited to be passing it along to others who might benefit from it. Also, my sound's a little bit funky at the beginning. I think I was too far away from my mic, so just bear with us. It it evens out a little bit um, as you go into it. And we're glad. I'm glad you're here. Nadia's glad you're here. We're excited to be collaborating. We plan to do many more. If this podcast resonates with you, let us know. You can reach either of us at our Instagrams. Mine is Wild River. Nadia's is Nadia Last. We'll put the info in the show notes. Enjoy this episode. So we'll start with taking just a few really deep breaths. I like to go in through my nose and exhale through my nose. You can notice any heaviness and any tension you're carrying today on your shoulders your neck and your chest and breathe into those places and exhale anything heavy coming from those out. Now imagine that there are roots, roots coming out of the back of your legs, your feet, your ankles, your knees, your butt. And those roots are reaching down. They're they're headed to the center of earth, but first they move through the surface of your closet. 
the foundation of your house, the topsoil, the compost, the worms, the decomposition, decomposed matter. And those roots just keep moving down. And as they move down, you can envision them moving down, but stay connected to your breath. So those roots move down and down through clay, through aquifers, under the surface of earth. You'll feel more rooted and connected with earth. These roots are here to ground us and connect us with earth and connect us with the energy of earth. And as those roots go further, they pass crystals and mines and dense, dense rock. And they're dropping fast, but they feel calm. They just feel like they're calmly rooting us, grounding us. And as those crystals keep making their way to the crystalline earth, they get closer and closer. And they see this crystalline core of earth, the center of earth, this magnificent crystal, and they enter it, they go inside of it. And in the center is a river of light. This river of light is earth's love, it's earth energy, it's earth consciousness in a light form, in a river form, in a matter form. And those roots anchor themselves in that river of light and then with every breath that we take, this light moves its way up the roots, up through the soil, up through the bottom of your closet and into your body. This light, this earth crystalline river of light enters us, fills us within us and without us. And it brings earth's loving light, earth's grounding energy, earth's protective energy. And we'll take a few deep breaths, envisioning this light moving through its, our bloodstream, swirling around our organs, moving along our skin, and creating this almost like bubble of white light energy surrounding us, within us, and without us. We're rooted so deeply into earth like any tree, but also like any mountain, like any plant, like any body of water on earth, moving on earth, but a part of earth, with earth, loved by earth, connected to earth. And I'm going to say a few words to deepen or um, acknowledge aloud this connection with earth. You can repeat them after me if you choose. You can say it aloud or you can say it in your mind. Totally up to you. I am connected to earth. Earth is connected to me. 
I am connected to earth, earth is connected to me. I support earth, earth supports me. I support earth, earth supports me. I love earth, earth loves me. I love earth, earth loves me. We are one, we are one, we are one. We are one, we are one, we are one. We have this gift of connecting deeply with earth every day, every moment. And this conscious connection today will stay with us. It'll provide us some energetic protection, some grounding, some boost of love to support us in this podcast episode and throughout the rest of our day. Now that we're connected and rooted, why don't we each take a minute to call in our spirit guides, our angels, any beings of the highest love and light who can support us in sharing directly from our heart and from our soul and can direct or support us in sharing uh, words that will be supportive and healing to our audiences. <sighs> My eyes are tearing up because I, fe I call in all of the angels that are dancing around us. I just have all of these dancing visuals of, of all these beings. They're so happy that we're here. They're like, fucking finally, <laughs> let's go. And I feel my grandpa's so in such a deep and profound way. He's right behind my back, just sort of like nudging me forward. Um, so excited that we're here right now. Oh, that's so beautiful. They're like, finally, you guys have been waiting for this. <laughs> I've been telling you. They're just so excited. They're like... <laughs> Thank you to all of you for being here, for supporting us, for loving us so unconditionally and so deeply, and for supporting in Nadia and I finding each other and arriving at this space where we can kind of share our collaboration, our um, conspiratorial efforts with the world. Ah. <laughs> 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 oh. Nadia, do you have anything that you want to call in or bring in? Mm, I call in our ancestors. I feel like you have deep ancestry, Sam. And I call in my ancestors, known and unknown. And yeah, that that's that's what I want to call in. Do you have anything you want to call in? I have nothing that I haven't already asked to be here. So with that, we will send these roots back to earth thank you earth for supporting us we love you thank you to our guides ancestors our angels our, the akasha and the other beings here we love you we're so grateful for you we thank you hmm. and with that we can meet here damn that was 
incredible, very powerful, very profound. I'm so excited. Oh man. Okay. So Sam, I want to introduce this conversation today because this is going to be the first of many. And my name is Nadia, for those who don't know me, and I do work one-on-one and in group with people. I host my own podcast. Sam also hosts her podcast. Sam does work with people as well, and she's also an environmental lawyer. So there are many different threads of the work that she does, but I think one of the things that I gained so much from you, Sam, is is your connection to the earth, as we just heard. That was really profound and beautiful. And Sam, you're a friend that I can drop in immediately with. You're somebody who we don't small talk. We don't swim in the shallow waters. And from the moment that I was connected to you, through a mutual friend, you sent me a few voice memos after listening to my podcast and you went straight to the deep end. You like cannonballed into the deep end. And, um, you know, there's so much that's happening collectively as there has been over the past year and a half. There's specific energy that's happening right now that's expansive, but also overwhelming. It's like all the pent up frustration that we've been feeling over the past year and a half has been let out, let loose at the same time. And for those who are listening globally, you might be in different stages of reopening, but in the US where Sam and I are having a bi-coastal conversation today, Sam from the East Coast, I'm from the West Coast, we're going back to some semblance of pre-pandemic normalcy. Mm -hmm. And that creates so much anxiety and overwhelm. I've been talking to so many people who are like, ah, like this is all happening so quickly. And um, there's no better time for us to start sharing the conversations, these intimate conversations about the energy that's happening collectively, individually than right now. And with that, I just kind of want to invite in so much that's been on our heart, on our minds and just share more intimately with people so that they feel less alone in what we're walking through right now. Yeah. I think Nadia, you know, um, Nadia and I talk a lot and we talk a lot about how we're feeling and, and how we suspect other people are feeling either from our experiences or from talking with them or for just some knowing. And there is, as always, but such a craving right now for connection. We just spent over a year isolated. And I think, I think we've always craved connection. I think that's part of the human condition. But when you aren't allowed to have it, or it becomes unsafe to have it in the way that you may want or crave, or it you know, you have restrictions or whatever the circumstances that you're in, it becomes such a focus. And now it's almost like, how do we navigate connecting with each other? And how do we navigate intimacy and connection in our own lives? Because now that we're opening up, how do we make sure we prioritize genuine connection? And how do we share that versus maybe what we were doing before, which maybe we're in the same physical space with each other, but we weren't connecting. We weren't seeing each other. We weren't letting ourselves be seen. And Nadia, I think something that's probably important to acknowledge, while so much is returning to kind of pre-pandemic lives, your and I, both our lives have changed so much because we both have made such severe career shifts that neither of us are walking back into an office. And that kind of changes the dynamics a little bit too. Mm -hmm. 
it changes the dynamics tremendously. And yes. it's it's just so fascinating also to sort of observe the people in our lives, go back to their offices, go back to their lives. My partner has been going back into the office. He works uh, physically with robots for the past six months. And so it, sort of observing the stress and anxiety that other people are feeling and and feeling that through osmosis as well. So it's really interesting. Do you want to talk about maybe where you are right now in your life and uh, the the change that you just walked through personally at a high level? Yeah. So at a high level, let's see, this time 2020. So yeah, this time 2020, I was working at a uh, large law firm, a kind of large, sophisticated Wall Street white shoe law firm in New York City. There are maybe like 900 lawyers in that office. I worked in the litigation department. I was primarily working on securities lawsuits, but basically representing large companies in sophisticated, complicated, complex lawsuits. My, I worked with a lot of incredible lawyers, but I wasn't really connected with the work. And the hours were really rigorous. And I was spending a lot of time doing work that didn't light me up. And I was giving up a lot for that. And so it was about this time that I was almost exactly this this week that I was starting to contemplate making a change. Or I had been contemplating it for a while, but I was starting to contemplate making a change that really a plan, quitting my job without having a full plan set up. Because I realized I could either find some sort of job that even though I didn't really know what I was looking for, I didn't know what I wanted. And so the sorts of things I was looking for were kind of like shots in the dark. And I was like, I could jump, try to jump to one of those, still be work, maybe working a ton and be in this exact same position a year from now, wanting to leave and, um, and not knowing where to go, or I could quit, um, take some time to reconnect with myself, to spend time outside. I ended up doing a several week solo road trip through Montana and Wyoming, did some solo camp in Oregon, did some solo camping for the first time in my life and, um, and see what excited me, see what was available to me. When I decided, started to think about doing that, an opportunity came up for me around environmental law and public service. And so that kind of grounded me, but it wasn't a full-time situation. I had some, um, some time and I still do it, but it wasn't taking up all my time. So I still had a ton of flexibility. So left my job in August, um, started this other kind of environmental public service gig, and then basically took two months where I didn't do anything at all had a ton of fun out camping and hiking and spending time with family and friends and being by myself and reflecting. And then a amazing environmental law contractor gig came up, which was fantastic. That gave me some financial stability to be able to support myself while I explored. Then I started studying human design at a much deeper level and started, let's see, now we're around Christmas, started doing human design readings for people. I had started an Instagram account called Wild River. It started as an environmental education account, which is hilarious. It lasted like that for two weeks because I was so much more interested in talking about my feelings than talking about um, recycling. I think that sort of stuff is really important. 
think that people who are inspired to talk about it should be talking about it. And I should be talking about the things that are inspiring me. And this is kind of continuing to evolve. And so now I do human design readings regularly. I'm a intuitive coach. I am still very involved with my environmental law work and those um, projects and opportunities are evolving and progressing and started a podcast themed around self-expression. And basically what's happened is over this year, I have reclaimed exploring what excites me, what brings me joy, and mostly prioritizing my body, my soul, my emotional well-being above everything else and exploring what that means to me. And I think there's such an analogy in you quitting your job and having this sort of like vacant void space where you could explore. So I think like walking that back to the macro level, everybody has had a different experience through quarantine. But if we were to take sort of like a wide swath of people's experience, I've heard it described as the great pause, the time Mm -hmm. when you couldn't just sort of make a plan more than a week or two in advance. You couldn't just distract yourself away from your life. You had to sort of sit with yourself for many people for the first time ever. And it's interesting how you, you quit your job and you had this open space and really what it was is just inner inquiry. And, you know, even your solo camping trip, just being by yourself in solitude for that long, our society was not set up for that. Uh, The way that we hustle and our urgency culture, we can distract ourselves from the moment that we wake up to the moment that we fall asleep. And I think for a lot of people, quarantine was maybe the first time in their lives where they had this open space to just ask like, Hey, what am I like hustling for? What am I, you know, staying so busy for? Like, what am I even moving toward? Do I like this? Like, I think that's what you asked yourself is, do I like this? Do I like this? I already knew, you know, before quarantine, and this is part of the reason I was able to is before I had basically from like a month into starting that job, I realized this probably, this isn't a forever fit for me. I love environmental work. And I started saving to be able to take that sort of pay cut and do public service work and still live in New York City because that's where I was. I was living there with my partner, actually moved a few weeks ago to Vermont. But at the time, he loves New York. I thought we were going to be there for a long time. And so I was like, I'm going to have to find a way to make this work. And then um, let's see, about four months before quarantine, I was like, wait a minute, I could quit this job without a plan and travel and explore. I'm really interested in urban farming and all sorts of sustainable farming. I could quit. I could uh, go spend some time on a permaculture farm. I could travel, spend a month in India. And I started saving for that too. And then Corona hit and I was like, well, I can't quit now without a plan. Um, and then was like, wait a minute. Yeah, I can. And I'll use this money that I saved to travel to support myself in this interim. Now, what I think a lot of people struggle with is this expectation that you have to have everything figured out and that you can't pause unless you know when you're going to start again and what you're going to do next. You can't make a change. And I'm not saying quitting your job because there's a lot of reasons why someone might not want to quit their job without a plan. I'm very fortunate that I could do that was in a place in my life, but anything, even like leaving a relationship or making any sort of decision, um, changing your friendships, exploring a hobby. I almost didn't start human design because I didn't know what would come of it. 
And I really had to coach myself over the last year. And then of course I've had like many coaches and therapists, a therapist and support system of it's okay to not know. It's okay to pause and just explore. And for a lot of folks I observed in quarantine, pausing, exploring and realizing I'm not happy and okay, maybe I'm willing to make a step into the unknown in in the direction of something that I think will be happy. My partner also left is in kind of making a dramatic career change, similar, similar experience. This isn't resonating with me anymore. I don't know what this new path holds for me, but I'm going to give myself permission to try. Mm. Yeah. And it's, I know so many people who have made dramatic shifts in their life, whether it's breakups, whether it's changes of location, whether it's changing uh, careers or even just quitting their job. And I don't think that it's a coincidence that it happened after the great pause, like after this time of going inward, of having the time and space to just slow down and, and ask yourself what it is that you want. Like those answers being within the way that our society existed, but pre-pandemic, it didn't allow space for those types of questions to be asked. And I, I think like a really, um, a good analogy that I've been thinking through is like we've pre-pandemic, we lived our lives on a highway and we were all driving the same speed and we were all sort of like eyes ahead and we had the same mile markers of success. We had the same exits. We had the same sort of um, herd mentality where we're all going similar ways and we were all driving very, very quickly. And it was just sort of like one size fits all. You get on the highway and there you go. And there was a lot of external validation because you're like, well, where are we all driving? Like, where are we all going to so quickly? How, how do I turn? How do I go? But everybody around you was turning in the same way and moving in the same direction. So that was sort of your external validation. And I feel like what COVID was, and let me know if you follow this, Sam, but what COVID was mm -hmm. is sort of like a very abrupt shutdown of the highways. And everyone was like, wait, if there are no highways, how do I get from point A to point B? And people were like, well, I guess there are back roads. So people started driving on the back roads and you would only see like one or two cars. And all of a sudden you were driving much slower because the speed limit's a lot slower and you'd roll down your window. And when you passed a car, you would wave at them and you'd stop at a farm stand along the way and you'd, you'd get lost and you'd have to turn around and you'd have to go and sort of like meander a bit more. Mm -hmm. And in that slow pace, people were like, well, what am I even driving toward? Like, maybe I want to go somewhere else. Maybe my destination has changed. Maybe I'm going to stop on the side of the road and just, just sort of like look out at the Vista for a little bit. These, sort or maybe my car broke down yeah. and I have to, yes. And because finally I'm going to get happened. my oil changed or whatever yeah. it is that you put off for so long. And then I think over the past several weeks, at least in the US, things are reopening again. And it's like, we all got this notification on our phone at the same time, like highways are reopened. And everyone is like, oh, what was I doing on the back roads? Let's merge back onto this highway. It's bumper to bumper traffic because everybody's merging at the same time. And it's almost like people forgot what they were doing on the back roads this past year and a half. Everybody's honking, everybody's angry, everybody's going back exactly where they were before. And I think there's a lot of anxiety in that. Like, I think so too. And there's a lot of pressure. Yeah, I have really noticed in myself a. It was like during this pause, I it was easier to give myself permission of like I don't have to know what I'm going to be doing in six months or a year from now, because no one does. 
no one, there's not a single person who can predict what they'll be doing because we don't know what the state of the world will be like. And now, of course, we still are in a pandemic world, but a lot of our structures of life are going back. And of course, we don't know if in six months, COVID, what what the role COVID will be, but we have a different set of ways to predict that than we did in, let's say, October of last year. We're six months out, still felt very much like we would be in restrictions, which we were. At least we were where I lived. And um, that kind of opening up gave some pressure, even though there was no one actually putting on any pressure. It was like just my narrative because before my narrative was like, you have as much time as you want. As long as things are shut down, you can explore, you can do whatever you want. You're doing it in your house. Now that things are opening, now that I'm trying to make plans, I have had this internal pressure to figure things out. And there for me can be some real benefits from this. Um, there are aspects of my human design where I actually feel like I benefit from having a little bit of pressure around me, but only when I'm grounded, only when I'm able to kind of use that pressure, ride it out and kind of use it to push myself along. Otherwise, and this is the way I felt it a lot. It feel like a chicken with my head cut off. Like all of a sudden I have all these things I need to do, but no way of practically doing that. No way of actually rushing any sort of timetable, just a lot of pressure. And then opportunities to spiral, to have negative self-talk, to have like existential crisis about like, what am, what have I been doing this last year? And what do I have to show for it? And what do I have to show for it? Now, I just want to pause for a second, Nadia, and ask you to uh, go back and share a little bit about your story. Yes. And I even want to go back further. You've mentioned human design a couple of times, and I don't think either of us have formally introduced human design on either of our podcasts. So as we- share this episode, I want to just let everybody know that human design is a system of energy. It takes four ancient esoteric wisdom systems, uh, Western astrology, the Chinese I Ching, the Book of Changes, the Kabbalah, the Jewish Kabbalah Tree of Life, and the Hindu Chakra System, and layer it all together based on your birth time, date, and location. It tells you a lot about the way that your energy moves and interacts with the world. So if we allude to human design today, that that's what it's all about. And you can check out both Sam and I's Instagram. We share a lot about Instagram, a lot about human design there if you want to learn more. But it's interesting because I think that human design, it's such a grounding system to remember who you are very individually, what your gifts are and where you take in energy from the world around you. So I think contextually in the world right now, when there's so much energy to be conditioned by again, as there's this pressure, there's this internalized, like you got to be moving somewhere. You need to like, what are you doing with your life? How have you figured everything out? Human design is even more important. I feel in my life to just ground me in who I am, to remember who I am instead of just going along and trying to be like everybody else. So that felt like a, an important detour. I love that. Yeah. Thank you for introducing that because <laughs> it is, um, I feel the same way. It is a really grounding part of my life, but it also brings a whole new language to things that can be really confusing. So great timing. Yes. And then where I am in my life, is that the question? That's the question. <laughs> where you where you are, but also a little bit, I mean, walk us back to where you were June of 2020 and what has happened 
from then to now, which we're recording this in June of 2021. Yes. As we head back into cancer season, we just celebrated the summer solstice. I just got a notification on my phone, like one year ago today, look at the album. And I looked at the photos and it was such a wild thing to remember that we were just settling into quarantine. We were just settling into, wow, this is going to be for the long haul and making changes accordingly. We were preparing actually to move cross country and stay with my partner's family in Maryland for six months, a move that I would have never anticipated before quarantine, spending so much quality time with family. And uh, my partner's older sister got married on the East Coast and she had a quarantine wedding. It was, you know, 25 people. And it was such a like she questioned every rubric around weddings. And she's like, well, what do I really want if we're going to get married during this time? And it's just, I feel like very emblematic of how people could choose something different during quarantine, because it's like, it it was squishier. It was easier for you to just sort of question societal conventions because everything was thrown out the window. And now I'm seeing people attend weddings post-pandemic that are, you know, by the book, exactly off the shelf, like, you know, very conventional. And it's just interesting to see the ways in which people were more creative while, while COVID was happening. So, um, that, but that doesn't answer your question. So Mm -hmm. this time last year, I was also just starting my business doing human design readings and I was still in my corporate job, but I felt really deeply because I was spending so much time with myself in, inner meditation and sort of communing with my higher self it was so clear to me that the job that I was doing a marketing job in the corporate world was not right for me it didn't feel good I would spend like these beautiful mornings in meditation feeling so alive feeling so electric studying human design and then I would quote unquote, head into my virtual job and the energy would shift dramatically. And it felt like all the air was sort of being taken from my lungs. It's a very dramatic way of putting it, but I felt so strong. Like I couldn't ignore it anymore. When I went into an office, I could sort of like pump myself up for it. But when I turned Mm -hmm. on my laptop, when I was working from home, it, it was just so hard for me to get engaged in my work. I had the same experience. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because I don't know why it was so different during quarantine time. Like for you, did it feel so much more amplified? So, uh, yeah. And I think a big reason for me, I worked in Midtown Manhattan on the 28th floor, a building with thousands of people. Some of the lawyers that worked at the law firm that I practiced at are just incredible. And I would see them in the New York times. And then I would in like a profile because of something amazing that they did. And then they would walk by my office. And so I had this kind of constant reminder of what a fantastic opportunity this is. And there's some sexiness with it too. It's like being around these talented, you know, people in your field that are really good at what they do and being in New York city and um, this fast pace of it that kind of energized me not it wouldn't last you know I'd get home and be like whoa but it would give me it could buoy me and I think having all of that stripped away during quarantine and of course the fact that you know we were being conditioned energetic we were picking up other people's energy we were borrowing it and we lost a lot of that too Mm -hmm. it just makes me think like 
when we're in normal times, when we're seeing each other in person, when we are, you know, commuting into offices, when we're in coffee shops, it builds up this perception of reality. There are endless things to be distracted by. The New York Times articles that your coworkers were being featured in, the billboards that you pass on your way to work, like everything is created to fabricate I don't want to use the matrix because I think it's overused, but truly the matrix. Mm -hmm. And I think that over the past year and a half, when, when you were just by yourself in your apartment, it's easier to sort of like come back to, whoa, so much was created to distract me away from my truth. And, and like you said, I didn't mention this before, but during quarantine, especially the very beginning, I was feeling so deeply and I was allowing myself to feel really really deeply. I was very moved in a, you know, in grieving for the loss that New York city was experiencing in April of last year. And that I was watching the world starting to experience. I think that opened up my sensitivity because I think that the best way or the most effective way to open up your intuitive channel is to feel, mm. is to move through feelings, is to allow yourself to be sensitive and to claim that sensitivity. And for the first three months of quarantine, I went all in on that. I was doing, you know, not only was I seeing my therapist every week, which I was doing before that, but I was doing weekly kind of earth energy healings with my incredibly intuitive and gifted aunt, Rachel, who um, has an amazing company called Vast Earth based in Santa Cruz, California. And I started working with a woman that both Nadia and I worked with named Danny Dillard doing Akashic record readings every week for like two months. And that changed me. And Nadia, I think you had a, a similar experience of going inward. It changes your awareness of what's happening outside of your life and the impact of it. Mm -hmm. And it gives you some confidence to make the change yourself because you're releasing fear. Yes. And I, I can't believe so many people that I know had that similar, whether you want to call it a spiritual awakening or a soul awakening over the period that we were in quarantine of starting your day inward and then going outward instead of the way that I think our society has been good conditioned, which is start externally, check in with the world, you know, read a newspaper over coffee is what our parents' generation did. But now it's just check your phone for the Twitter newsfeed or whatever it is. Like there's so much to check in with first before you check in with yourself. And it's, it's something that I'm trying so hard to carry into this next phase is to remember, remember, like you found this inner clarity, you found this inner stillness, this inner peace, start there and everything else will fall into place in your life. But, you know, beyond you're talking about this grief, which I think is really profound and allowing yourself to feel very deeply for those who are listening. And they're like, I want to allow myself to feel deeply. Are there any sort of like tactical practices that you did or, or ways that it would look like for you? That's a great question. You know, with, with the COVID stuff, I couldn't avoid it if I wanted to. Um, I mean, no, I, I could have actually looking at it, looking at whatever you're wanting to grieve. So I would watch, uh, governor Cuomo would do a press conference every day. And for that first month I watched him every day and I sat with 
the fact, the numbers, because it started, of course, with like 75 deaths, 150 deaths, and it kept going and going. And that peak around there was 900 deaths. And I would sit there and I would think about 900 people and 900 families and 900, you know, that colleagues and, and time thought that you thought you had that you didn't. And that can get intense. Like there's a time when I stopped doing that because I couldn't keep sitting with that every day. I would get depressed and I started to, um, but at the beginning, and I would say this is for anything. If you are feeling sad about an experience that you had 10 years ago or your childhood, looking at it and saying it sometimes, um, a practice I'll do is I'll describe it. And every sentence I'll take a breath in between. Mm. And that is a great way to feel it and to kind of feel the words in your body. Um, and then giving yourself quiet time to think about it where you aren't consuming any other content. It can be helpful sometimes if you find yourself getting distracted while you're just sitting there and thinking about it to draw or to journal and, and just allow to see whatever moves through you and accept it where it is. Maybe you won't be really moved by it right now or ever. And you don't have to judge yourself for whatever feelings you have, even if it's an absence of feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I did a lot of dream journaling over COVID because so much was being revealed to me personally in my life, like the experiences that I've walked through. A lot of them experiences that I would dismiss in my waking life. Like, did I really feel that left out in middle school as one example? And, you know, you can't really argue. I I stopped arguing with my dreams because if I had a dream, I started to dispel my disbelief that it wasn't that big of a deal. And I just leaned into it. So there's an overwhelming number of things that you can heal in your life and your personal journey. And sometimes people get overwhelmed by the sheer amount of work, quote unquote, that you'd have to do. And I found my dreams to be very episodic and sort of like revealing different experiences Mm -hmm. that happened to me that I would then work with on that morning. So I would wake up, have a journal next to my bed. I'd have a strange experience where I dreamed about a girl in middle school that I hadn't thought about in 15 years. And I was like, all right, clearly it's being revealed to me for a reason. My psyche is allowing me to revisit this experience. And I just journaled about it. And sometimes it was a couple sentences. Sometimes it would be sort of like a meditation, sending some love to that woman, wherever she, she is now. And it allowed me to heal so much while I was in this sort of like quiet season of life. That's amazing. What an amazing awareness and clarity to be like, this is an opportunity to take, I think something I struggle with and I'm constantly moving through is not trying to intellectualize emotions. So maybe looking back to a time when I was eight years old and I didn't feel, you know, seen or supported by a family member or friend. And it can be easy to be like, but they, but I know they love me so much and they're so busy with work and, or they're in, you know, they're just pulling me out of insecurity, whatever. And instead being like, that can all be true. And you can love them wherever they are and still acknowledge and recognize that your feelings are hurt mm-hmm. and that you're sad because that often is all it takes to release it. Yes. And going back and reclaiming that child who didn't have their needs met. And not blaming the person who didn't meet those needs because we're human and, and, you know, fallible, but allowing that child to be seen finally and say, I see you. 
that wasn't fair. I see that you're hurt. Like, let's just nurture that side of yourself now. And I, I think that um, I was watching a TikTok maybe six months ago that uh, my partner's little sister sent me that was like, everything, everything starts in childhood. Everything, all, all healing. It, it's, it, there's a reason why we always go back to inner child healing. And I work with a lot of people who roll their eyes when I'm like, well, how is this connected to childhood experiences? And they don't want to go, but they're like, that's happened. Like, I don't want to go back there. But I think what we are so quick to forget is that children have just as big of feelings as adults do. There's no, like, it's not diminutive because you're smaller. It's the same. And they're more formative because they're, you're sort of like bedrock experiences that shape your view of the world. So even if you feel like a very different person now, the threads were woven very early in your life. And it's important not to dismiss the experiences you had as being like, you were left out at the lunch in the lunchroom. Like it's, it's fine. You were in seventh grade. And instead just like, I guess what I'm saying is, is viewing them as just as important, if not more so. I agree. And I think some of my struggle with doing that is because I wouldn't want to blame anybody else because I felt like I had a lot of compassion for why anybody else was acting like that. And you can have compassion and still acknowledge that you were sad, or you could say, I don't necessarily want anything to have changed out different because of this lesson that I learned from this experience and still have, you know, nurture and love and hold the, you know, sad, 10 year old version of yourself. Like there's space for both claiming your emotion. Isn't suggesting that anyone else necessarily is bad or did something wrong or blaming them or anything like that. If that's the barrier for you, the barriers are different for every different people about why it's difficult to feel safe and expressing their emotions. That's what it was for me, but that's not necessarily the case for, you know, you, anyone listening. So what are some and, and in human design, through the lens of human design, Sam is an emotional being, meaning she makes decisions through her emotions and she has a consistent emotional wave that she moves through. So Sam, what are some like tactical ways that you've actually allowed yourself to express the emotion, like let it move through you? You talked about breathing through it, but are there any other sort of somatic practices that you do to move? And because emotions are just energy. And when you yes. allow your body to process them, that's oftentimes all you need to metabolize it. Yeah. So, you know, half of the world has this sort of emotional wave like I do. And that basically means you have your ups and your downs and they're not to blame. Like there's maybe nothing that's triggering them. You just woke up really happy or really sad or wherever you're feeling. And, um, and that's kind of how you experience the world. I always think of it. This is, you know, maybe a little simplification, but I experience my own emotions in really big ways where I think of non-emotionals experiencing other people's emotions in really big ways. Cause the other half of the world is picking up on us emotional beings, um, the way we are feeling in their body. And so tactical ways, let's see, um, creative, like drawing, painting, glitter, those can be really helpful for me, especially on days where I'm feeling more sad and low. I have a tendency to want to try to fix the emotion or understand where it's coming from. And that can be helpful if it's going to help me 
kind of process something, but sometimes I'm just feeling melancholy for no reason. And the best thing I can do is just accept myself in that, put on some music that like matches that mood. And then drawing is really helpful as far as somatic practices. And then getting outside is just probably the most critical thing I can do for myself beside drinking water um, and breathing. Dancing is super helpful for me. Stretching is really helpful. Recently sweating, like doing hard aerobic exercises have been really valuable to getting me into my body. So the idea is get me into my body because my body is what's experiencing these emotions, not my mind or not only my mind. And so to feel the emotions and to feel what's being stored there, I have to connect to my body. Dance is a way to do that. Any sort of movement. Um, when I'm in the winter and I, this often happens during the winter, I feel, you know, much more kind of subdued and relaxed. I go on walks. I stretch. I take it as slow as I want. During the summer, I've been really feeling a craving to sweat. I don't necessarily want to, like, I don't necessarily want to go on a run, but I am feeling so deeply satisfied by doing it. So I have been jogging, which I'm not a runner. And if I jog like a quarter mile, I'm like, heaving basically, but it, it, it's like, feels good. And it's really allowed me to then move emotions. Emotions will then come up or to even notice that they're there because I feel so dropped into my body because it's like my whole body I'm moving with it. I'm, I'm not thinking at my mind because I'm just focused on breathing or putting one foot in front of the other. Mm. So many good threads about what you said, but I think one is the important reminder that emotions are creative energy. So can you create from that emotion? Can you create from the melancholy, the sadness, the anger, the whatever it is that is moving through your system, can you use it to create? And then the second thing is just that our emotions are our body signals that something is in distress, something needs to be paid attention to. I think about emotions as like you're driving your car and you get the, um, the like service needed light that goes on and, and you're like, okay, well, what service? Like, I don't know what it is. And it's like, you need to dive in. Your emotion is telling you there's something to look at here. There's something to pay attention to. But again, to the, to the thread of over-intellectualizing something, your mind is going to come in and be like, well, why are you sad today? Like what's wrong? And instead of going to that place, just a lot, like getting out of your head and into your body to allow that to move is so helpful and our society, there's like a, almost a hierarchy of emotions. And there's like a dotted line yes. where these emotions have no place in our society, sadness, anger, depression, et cetera. And if we start to view them just as signals and not judging them, there's so much information that's available to us. There's so much information, there's wisdom, there's an ability to detach a little bit when you can kind of get into your body, you can detach a little bit from the emotion and that allows you to feel more than one emotion at once. So you can feel afraid of something, but also excited or optimistic or happy, or you can feel sad and hurt maybe by somebody's actions, but also be able to have some perspective around it. So you don't just react when you're telling them that you're hurt, you can come from a grounded place. And that I think being in your body is really powerful for that. It gives you the chance to feel, but not become your emotions mm -hmm. because becoming your emotions can take you out of yourself. It almost like 
becomes subject to however that emotion is going to, whatever it's going to do. And you can lose your own sense of kind of connection and almost autonomy over you because you just it's like the emotions are taking over totally and I think that goes for thoughts as well thoughts and emotions it's like can you be the one that observes them rather than the one that gets swept up in them um one emotion that I never felt in childhood it was just we had a very non-confrontational familial system growing up is anger and it was really scary to me when anybody would express healthy anger in my life. And I didn't even know that there was healthy anger. So something that I've been working with over the past probably year now is sacred rage. And when I'm upset about something, identifying it, and it'll be so suppressed, like I'll get off the phone with someone and they said something that was, you know, crossed a boundary in some way or whatever it is that made me upset, or even just the events of the world. And I'll sit with myself and say, okay, how are you going to express this rage right now in in a healthy way how are you going to allow this to move through you and so i've been uh working with primal screams whether i'm alone in my car or like on a walk and then i will actually um sometimes like go to my bed and just like like punch my bed and it's especially as women i think it's it's you know we're not taught how to use our rage in a healthy way. And it's so cool to like feel the swelling of emotion move through my body, like really have fun with it. Like I'll scream so loud that I end up laughing a lot of times because it's just, is so ridiculous, but then it feels so much better. Like it's so fun, honestly. Okay. That's such, that's such a good point. And I'm, I totally overlook that because I only usually do that with my therapist, but that's something she makes me do. I also have a hard time identifying rage. I don't even remember feeling anger. The first time I remember consciously feeling anger, I was probably in like college, which of course isn't true. I was angry all the time and act reacting out of it, but I didn't realize it. And so my therapist will have me, let's say I'm frustrated with, you know, my partner, my sister, like taking too long. And they're like not meeting my timeline I expected. And she would have me lie on the floor and basically throw a tantrum and like um, punch my kind of like the sides of my arms on the ground and kick. And, or she would have me take like a softball bat, especially when we are in person, but we do it. We do it virtually too on like a foam cube or hit a pillow, yell, anything to move it. And then exactly like you said, then you move it and you realize, okay, I was angry about this, but you can proceed with that knowledge. Okay. I'm, I am, I was angry. I am angry, or this is the part that frustrated me and be able to, let's say you feel like you need to voice that you can voice it from a grounded place rather than an angry place, because people usually don't receive things very well when you're coming out really hot of anger, but you can communicate that made me angry. And this is why, um, without, being swept because otherwise the anger stays inside of you and then it leaks out. And then all of a sudden you're super angry because your partner didn't pick up a snack for you at the bodega. This is a real experience. (laughs) And actually I was angry about not feel, not like feeling like I wasn't being helped in something else in the house. And then my reaction was totally outsized to not getting me a snack. And I like throw a tantrum about that. And it's because those emotions stay and then they just leak out of you when you can't explain it. And then you feel bad about yourself for having them because they came out at you at times and kind of prompted you to say things that you usually wouldn't say because maybe they're hurtful or unproductive or something. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And not judging the societally ex- like uh, acceptable ways or reasons for getting angry. Like I've noticed that anger comes up in all these different places. And it's sort of like these quick sort of rainstorms that happen in my system. So I had a client reschedule a session three times, which never, ever happens. And I felt rage and I wouldn't take this out on this person, but in my car, I just like yelled about it for a second and our, our anger, then it becomes embodied anger where it's like, yeah, I am angry about this, but I'm not going to let this storm surge out for anybody else, except for myself. This is something that I'm going to metabolize in my own system. And then Mm -hmm. from that place, I can get curious about the anger because anger does serve a purpose. Its function is to show us where our boundaries are and where you don't want people to cross you. And so that anger in this particular instance with this client, what I did with my embodied rage was, hey, you know, I feel like my time is being disrespected here and I want to ensure that we find a time to meet, but I also can't continue to push things around in this way and maybe even create sort of a, um, a, a rule or a, a um, what am I trying to say in my business moving forward? Like this yeah. is sort of my cancellation policy. And so like a policy. It, it teaches me as well. So that's such a beautiful way to say it. I, I totally agree. And I find that our emotions usually provide us information about what we value, what's important to us, how to like practically or logistically move along in our lives. And they end up being this incredible tool if we use them, but because most of us never learned how to manage them, they become a new, like a nuisance that we're supposed to push aside. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's really changing, you know, this younger generation, um, and this is this younger generation, us and young and then parents raising young kids have a whole different emotional vocabulary than let's say our parents did when they were growing up. And so it's, it's moving and it's changing, but it's really, I think it's for the best for everybody and allows us to communicate love and support to each other. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess just more compassion that we can show ourselves because it didn't happen by accident. When we threw tantrums, when we were younger, either we would be sent to our room or if we were in public, our parents would try to say like, shh, shh, like keep it down. You're embarrassing me. And so we learned that these emotions are not only not acceptable, they're embarrassing. They should be quieted. We should do them by like, we should be banished or exiled when we're feeling these things. And it's something that's a, a nuisance, I think, to your to your point. Like, mm-hmm. this is so annoying that I'm feeling this anger. It has no place here. So how do I get through it or suppress it as quickly as possible? So it's such an yeah. unfamiliar thing to revisit that now in our adult years and be like, okay, how can I throw a tantrum as if I'm five years old? Like, it feels silly. And I think for a lot of people, you know, this COVID pause gave us an opportunity to reclaim our emotions. Um because we had to. I know a lot of people who have experienced loss over this time and like loss of loved ones and then other types of loss too, loss of jobs, loss of expectations for their lives. And then just normal stuff or not not normal, but things that happen in the course of life that aren't impacted by COVID, that COVID exasperated because you didn't have your community to rely on. And those brought up emotions. And I think it's given kind of us as a collective, the opportunity to 
decide if we want to treat these a little bit differently, especially if, look, if you're at home by yourself and you're hit with something that's really disappointing or sad, you just have more ability to start crying or to express than if you're in your office, like you just do. And I wonder it, this was the case for me, but I don't know if it's the case for everybody. Um, how, you know, if others resonate with the idea that they've gotten more in touch with their emotions and, and, you know, with then wanting to carry that in kind of carry that forward. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a level even in workplaces where we talked about emotions more um, because of COVID, you know, we were, people were talking about loss they experienced a little bit more than they would have before or difficulty things that they, you know, challenges because of just the weirdness of the situation. And I hope that continues. And I hope people feel brave and courageous to go first and be the one to say, look, I'm having a hard week because of X, Y, Z, um, and, and allow themselves to be seen in that way. Which I think is the nature of these types of conversations that we want to start sharing between us, Sam, is like, how are you really? And when we're going through this global pandemic and moving through all of the different uh, issues that were sort of placed on a global stage over the past year and a half, Uh, including the Black Lives Matter movement or, you know, different protests that are happening in different parts of the world. Like we were all sort of to walk through experiences like that as a collective. There was no way of just small talking anymore. You went straight into it. Like, how are you really? How are you weathering these, quote unquote, unprecedented times? Like it was it was not a given that people were okay. Like, how are you doing? Fine. I'm good. How are you? And I think that, yeah, this is a perfect segue actually into the exercise that I think would be really powerful for people to do as they're crossing this threshold into post-pandemic life, not pretending like the past year and a half didn't happen. We walk through that experience collectively, individually. And so can you be intentional about the things that you're going to bring forward with you, the things that you're going to leave behind as you reshape your life? as we re-enter society. So do you want to introduce the exercise? I would. So this is an exercise I want to um, shout out to my friend Sheridan, if she's listening. This was inspired by an exercise she did when she had her daughter. And um, it was something her dad had suggested. I think it's an amazing idea. So we kind of twisted it to be able to use it for COVID. And so... I will kind of walk through what it looks like on the piece of paper. So if you took a piece of paper and you drew a line right down the center, um, like a big cross to make four squares in your paper. So kind of write a horizontal line and a vertical line right down the center. And at the very top on the left-hand side, so this would be like a top horizontal, you would write pre-pandemic life. Um, And on the right-hand side, so on the right side of that line, you'll write COVID life. And so you basically have two columns, one column pre-pandemic life and one column COVID life. And then on the left-hand side at the top, um, so the first row, you write keep. And then right below that on the second row, you write don't keep. All right, so then you would have, um, basically, you know, you'd have your, it would, it's a little bit easier, of course, if you're writing this out, but hopefully this will make sense. And Nadia, feel free to jump in. Uh, so you would have kind of one square where you would say pre-pandemic life that you would want to keep 
things that you did in that life, things that you did in your lifestyle, and then pre-pandemic that you would not want to keep. And so you reflect, okay, what was I doing all the time then that I don't want to bring forward anymore, that I don't want to be part of my new normal versus the things you did do, maybe you couldn't do during COVID and you're ready to bring back. And then same with your COVID life. What is it that you want to keep And then in your next row, what is it that you don't want to keep? What from COVID was a beautiful lesson that a habit you picked up that you love and what part of it that you don't, you know, we've been doing this now for 15 months, things have become habits. It's sometimes hard to even remember what it used to be like. And so, for example, one of the things I don't want to keep is this unfettered use of social media. I'm looking at my social media all the time because I have all this space in my day and I'm not worried about someone coming into my office and seeing me on my phone. And that is not something I want to keep going forward. Um, And so my suggestion to you would be, if you would like, I think this is a really interesting and helpful exercise to be intentional with this important time is to first go on a walk, go outside, um, even just sit on your patio, put your feet in the ground, anything for a few minutes and without music or a podcast or any sort of kind of content that you're absorbing and just spend some time grounding and then take this out and journal a little bit. And just see what comes out. Maybe you'll surprise yourself. I was surprised by some of yours. And Nadia and I both did this activity. So we can talk a little bit about um, things we've noticed or things we want to take forward or leave behind. Mm. And I love where you started, which is, let's be honest, over the past year and a half, I checked social media way more often than I should have. And it's because my sense of connectedness became... What is ever what's everybody up to? What's the new news headline? What what's the newest global calamity that I should be aware of? And what are what is everybody up to? Is there, you know, content that I can be learning while I'm uh, while I have all of this free time? So I sort of like hit it under the guise of learning and expansiveness, but it quickly became this very compulsive thing where I would just pick up my phone. I I read something recently. It was in a book that I was reading that we check our phones now on average every six minutes, over 150 times per day. I do. I check mine over 150 times per day. It's insane. And, and realizing that I'm addicted to my phone. I am addicted to my phone and I am addicted to social media. It's, it's bonkers. And so I've been trying so intentionally to just leave my phone in other rooms and have screen-free days. There is a... So I read a great book called Digital Minimalism by Cal Newton, uh, Nadia. Newport, we've talked about it I before. think. Newport, Newport, yes, thank you. And I read it well before COVID, maybe like a year or so. And it, it talks a lot of the same things that that um, documentary, I think it's called The Social Network. Social Dilemma. The social dilemma. I got <laughs> yeah. you. I got you. <laughs> Talks about it kind of the engineering on our phone, but and in our the way it's designed to be compulsory and designed to be addictive. Cal Newport suggests an exercise, which I've done before, where you make a leisure plan and you'll make it for maybe three months out, four months out, kind of however you think of dividing your life. I think of my life as seasons because I live in a place that's really affected by the season. So kind of summer season, fall, and you basically write objectives, like things that you want to do and how much you want to do them with this idea that when we have thoughtful ways to use our time, we're going to be a little less likely to spend five hours on 
on our phones. Now that didn't actually totally play out for me, but I love the thought of it because I love any of these sort of activities that are intentional. Um, but to get back to the, the present one that we're actually talking about it, something else I've noticed about myself during COVID is I have this almost resistance to making like weekday plans um, because we just couldn't for so long. Like I was only having one social activity a week where pre-COVID, I worked a lot during the week. So I never did weekday plans because I was always at the office late. But on the weekends, sometimes I would see like three different groups of people in one day. I would do like breakfast, like brunch, and then like afternoon plans and then like dinner going out with different groups. I was so available. I remember sometimes I'd look at my calendar and be like, like, there's not a single night where I'm going to, in the next two weeks where I'm going to spend thoughtful time with my partner, even three weeks. And so it's somewhere in the middle. It's being able to go out and do things and kind of break up some of the stagnant energy of being at home. But I really don't want to get back to just like giving all my time away. Mm-hmm. And feeling as though your self-worth is wrapped up in the social plans. Like how connected are you? I've realized that I'm like a battery and I cannot expend myself socially without then having equal, if not more time in solitude or just in silence. And it, I've just realized that I need to recharge myself in equal parts. And that's something that I definitely want to bring forward. And I think it's going to be hard because again, we've had all this pent up energy for people that want to hang out. So all of a sudden I'm being blown up by people who want to come visit and, and stay with us at our home in Northern California, or just being like, people are making plans a year in advance. I got a text from my cousin yesterday. She's like, do you want to go to this music festival in May of 2022? And it's like, people just want to be together so much that it's even harder to choose solitude right now because there's ample to be distracted by. But can I just remember that I do not feel centered. I do not feel like myself unless I've given myself, you know, a night out and then one, two, even three nights just at home and just reading and just sitting and thinking. In the 18 months that I lived in New York City before the pandemic, there was only one month that I didn't leave the state. I went on a trip one weekend, at least every month during that time, sometimes, um, and for fun, like always for fun things. Sometimes I would go and I'd like work the whole time, basically, except maybe night, because you never really knew my schedule was kind of chaotic, but I would still leave. I'd get on a plane, again, get in a train or a car. In the one month where I didn't, I had plans to um, go to Virginia to go to the beach, but I had a big case blow up and I canceled my flight the day of. And yes, that was super fun. I got to do a bunch of cool stuff. I do not want to do that. I was so unsettled. I was not grounded in my space. I was, you know, be disrupted my energy then. I don't, I didn't have enough energy awareness, but be really disrupted. Part of that I think came from when I'm not working, I need to be using this and doing the most. Um, and I hopefully will not need to do that again and like validate my time or make the most out of things to an extent where I'm actually undermining my own ability to be present. But I can feel that pull already. Like I've had having to say no to things that I really want to do time with close friends or family because 
Otherwise, I'm going to be gone for six weeks straight this summer. And I don't want to be. I love the new city I, I moved to. I want to spend time here. And it's showing me a level of, I mean, this is such a beautiful and lucky thing to be able to do, to have these options, to travel and to spend time with people and have the flexibility and work. Um, but wherever you are and whatever that looks like for you, it's, it's a gift to yourself to say no even to people that you love. And it's not because you don't want to spend time with them, but you prioritize yourself. And whenever you do spend time with people, you want to show up as your full self and not secretly be wishing that you weren't hanging out with them mm -hmm. and you were at home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is a gift to, to them as well. And they don't even realize that you need that time. I also think about it like the next key in my development in my soul's path is only going to be revealed to me when I have time away. And I think one of the blessings of COVID is that if you had an entire weekend where you didn't have a single plan, you kind of just knew that nobody did. Like there was nothing that, I think that what I internalized pre-pandemic is if I have a weekend or God forbid, two, three weekends in a row with not a single plan, I would think that something was wrong with me. And so I would yeah. do everything that I could to, to make plans and to ensure that I was still connected to people. But when those large swaths of time would go by without plans during COVID, that unstructured time was when I would be most creative. And I think to our point about the phone addiction, sometimes it would be unstructured time that I would just be checking my phone. But a lot of time it was reconnection with my creative muse, with myself, with, okay, I have an entire Saturday with no plans. What do I want to do? Like, what, what do I feel like doing? And having that expansiveness revealed so much about myself to me. <laughs> but that's something that I want to carry forward to and, and that I'm feeling like I'm sliding back into is, oh my God, I have no plans this weekend. What's wrong with me? And sort of bucking that and being like, there's nothing wrong with you. Like, this is something that you can choose time and again to reconnect with yourself. I, yes, I so agree. And, and even just the awareness of this is something that I want, I think I want, you know, to be by myself. And I have some insecurity around that. And that often is enough because sometimes insecurity will win, but sometimes that knowledge of what you need will win. But if you don't even have the awareness around it, then you don't know that this can come up and that when you're feeling pressured to say yes to something, even though you're looking at your calendar and being like, if I say yes to this, I'm not going to have a free Saturday for a month. Um, I, that used to come up for me. I'd be like, I know that if I say yes to this and it's like, I couldn't say no because sometimes the activities just seem so fun. Like, why would I say no to that? And it's like, there'll be other fun things. This isn't the only time you're going to be able to go to a concert. <laughs> like, right. But it feels that way right now because I feel like we haven't been to concerts in so long. So I, I also think of it as like yin yang it has to balance itself out. It's pretty karmic. Yeah. So if we've spent the past year and a half without anything, there's going to be this resurgence for a little bit and just walking through um, like the roaring twenties kind of energy right now. Uh, we're coming back into it. We need to balance out the energy that was more insular, but then on the other side of that sort of resurgence how can we balance the seasons? Mm -hmm. And how can you walk through that energy with still staying grounded in yourself? Like, I mean, Nadia knows this, but like I, my July is going to be raging. Like I have so, I'm going to be on like five planes in the next 
four weeks. Like I'm having so much fun. I'm doing so many fun things. I'm going to come back so tired. I do not care at all because I have been in my house so much of this last year and I'm ready to go. But how can I bring in this energy? Cause I don't need to be in my home to feel grounded. I don't, some people do. I don't need to be in my home to feel grounded. So how can I move through? Let's see. I'm, I'm doing this like two week trip and I, it feels so much longer than two weeks because I'm doing so much in it, but it's going to be kind of go, go, go. I'll be around a lot of people. And so the challenge and the opportunity for me is to bring in my grounding practices, to bring in the things, which is probably the central thing of what I want to keep in my COVID life is that I have dedicated so much to my self care, really. It's like, that's what it sounds like, but it's not like facials. It's like time with my body, my mind, and my spirit every day and prioritizing that, prioritizing rest, prioritizing nourishing myself, prioritizing getting support. And, and spending on that, um, even if that means I can't do other things and have other things I want because it, I value it so much and it leaves me feeling good. And so how can I take that in? So when I'm going to five concerts in a week, I still wake up and feel connected to myself. I don't just totally throw up my hands. Maybe I will sometime, maybe I will, but at least I'm gonna try not to. Yeah. And I think this gets at a, a deep fear that many people have right now, a lot of people have found an, a renewed sense of self over the past year, and they're afraid that they'll lose it as we head back into this mm-hmm. resurgence, this, this season of frenetic, fast-paced travel, distractions, plans, go, go, go. People are scared that they're going to lose that calm, that stillness, that peace. And so I think that that's a very valid concern, but also just remember that everything is a season. And now that you've found mm-hmm. that inner center, you can't unfeel that. You can't unsee that. You can't unexperience it. It is there for you whenever you have enough you know, space that you give yourself to go inward. And I think that's what you're saying, Sam, that even if you have an extra five minutes in a morning before everybody in the Airbnb that you're staying at wakes up, just to reconnect with the earth, to ground yourself into the earth, you felt that now it's been established that ground is created within you, you and you can revisit it whenever you want. Even communicating to your friends, like I have, I'm going on a five-day camping trip with a friend who is super connected and grounded and will totally get and probably love because she'll want the alone time this let's not talk for the first hour that we're awake like putting that out there even if it's someone who won't totally understand it or i am um i'm gonna be up but i'm i'm gonna go on a lone walk and stuff so just so i can collect myself for the day doing these sorts of things that i would not do before because i would probably have so much fomo but also be so excited to hang out with my friends that i would be like i'm not gonna do anything without you and instead this understanding that i will have more fun i'll feel better i'll feel more connected if I bring this inner stillness with me, because it gets to come with me. Like we weren't meant to be in this isolation forever. And while some of this kind of stillness, like there'll probably be moments where like, wow, it was so fun. I thought about my partner and I used to talk about this. Like there'll be times in our life where we'll look back at COVID and be like, we got to spend every weekend, all weekend together for like months on end. And there'll be a time in our lives when we have kids and when we're busy with work, where just getting two hours to talk and connect on our own is going to be hard. And 
but like, we don't want this forever. And, and so kind of recognizing like everything's going to change and I get to decide how I get to show up in it. It like new COVID, new life doesn't do it to me. It's, it's up to you. Mm-hmm. Like you get to choose. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most important message is breathe, take it one step at a time know that it's a season that's balancing itself out and you get to choose ultimately the life that you create pre-pandemic during the pandemic some mix of the two and you can be intentional about what you choose from here on out nadia what are some of the things on your chart that we haven't talked about yet oh yeah I mean, we've talked about a lot of them. I think the most important thing for me is just not feeling FOMO when other, the most important yeah. thing that I do not want to bring back from pre-pandemic life, and I'm, I'm feeling this creep in, is the sense that at any given time, somebody is doing something that's more fun than me. And people don't talk about this, but this is what social media like fuels is people are only posting the fun things, the trips, the whatever it is. And, and we all feed into this. But Mm -hmm. it creates the harmful perception that at any time there's this highlight reel of activities that are happening somewhere in the world that you're not a part of. And so when you're sitting at home bored, which is often when we check social media, you go online to be connected to something, to feel like you're part of something bigger than yourself and to see what people are doing that is more fun than you at home bored. Yes. And so I'm really trying to fight against this sort of perception that somebody out there is having a better time than me and really getting present in my own life and in my own boredom because there's beauty in boredom. There really is. Mm-hmm. So that that's what I'm really walking through right now. So I think that this is a beautiful segue into the event that we have coming up, Sam, our very first event together. Yes. Yes, we are so excited. Nadia and I have been like conspiring about event ideas for a long time now. And we were just waiting until the time felt right for both of us. And we're ready, baby. Woo! Let's go. <laughs> Woo! Okay, so we want to hang out with you guys. We hang out. <laughs> and it's so Please. cool because over the past let's call it six months as Sam and I have been putting ourselves out there more publicly. There's been this sort of like fledgling community that has uh, been, been sort of like swirling in between both of our Instagram platforms, our, our podcasts, and we feel connected to a handful of you all already. And our longer term vision for these events is to create a community, to create a place where people can reconnect to themselves, where they can ground, where they can center, where they can explore their own spirituality where they can explore their connection to their body, to the earth uh, together and to feel like there is a community of people who are walking similar paths, even as Mm -hmm. we return to quote unquote normal and people have ample opportunities to get distracted and and be, you know, swept up in in the matrix of life. So this is the first event that we have. Do you want to explain what it is? Yes. So it'll be on Monday, July 12th. At 8 p.m. Eastern time, 5 p.m. Pacific time. It'll be about two hours and it's a new moon grounding circle. So Nadia and I were like, what do we want to go to right now? And for both of us, we're not feeling super inspired or alive by more like things to learn, although that does inspire us and we will create that certainly. But right now at this moment, while we are getting so active in our lives and there's so much kind of buzzing, the thing that we are really craving is 
a place to ground, a place to kind of connect with ourselves, to remember our intentions, to kind of just feel grounded and connected. So when we're enjoying this big wave and flow of energy, it doesn't just like totally sweep us off and take us God knows where. So the this will be a, about a two-hour circle. We'll start with a grounding meditation and visualization. We'll move into some journaling, some intention setting. This is taking place two days after the new moon. So it's a great time to explore your intentions for this lunar cycle, or you can always explore the intentions for the this season of your life. It's up to you. And then we will do some sharing of it, some sharing in circle and some connecting with um, each other in a more kind of intimate connection, connected way. I just, yeah, this is what I want to go to right now because the world is so intense. There's so much, I love the word buzzing. There is so much buzzing. So how can you lean into that and, and get excited that we can reconnect with people in person again and remember everything that you just walked through and remember your spirituality and remember your inner centering and connect with people in a, in a level of depth that isn't usually available in our day-to-day lives. Mm-hmm. I'm so stoked. And share. Yes. It's going to be so fun. Have just an opportunity to share what's on your heart during right now, whatever that looks like for you and to be received in that and to hear other people's shares and to support and receive them. So it'll be over Zoom. It's going to be so fun. We just, we're so excited. And uh, you can sign up on wildriver.live um, backslash workshops, or you just go to wildriver.live. It'll be in the show notes for this. And you'll see at the top, there's like about me and human design readings. And then there's a workshops page. You'll go there. You'll see a longer description and, um, and details. And then there's a link to sign up. Amazing. And I think one of the intentions for this event is that we want to make it accessible for people. And so Mm -hmm. the cost, the energetic exchange is $30. We want to uh, ensure it's, it's a price that feels good for the people that are joining. And if this is a cost prohibitive price point for you at this point, you can email Samurai, DM us on Instagram, and we can work with you to figure out a price that would feel more supportive for where you are in your life right now. Yes. We don't want anyone to not be able to come because of this cost. Yes. But it's going to be two hours. You will leave this circle feeling more connected to yourself and to other people in a very deep way, knowing that while we are entering the summer and all of these plans and buzzing, excited energy, there is still this center that exists within you. And that will be the foundation from which everything else comes from in your life. So excited, Sam. So excited. Thank you for (laughs) just having this conversation with me, for starting to share these intimate conversations that we have over voice memos more publicly so that people can just feel connected right now. Like everything that you're going through, you are not alone in it. If you feel anxiety, that is a collective feeling that, that people are walking through right now. Definitely. And excitement, anxiety, excitement, eagerness, optimism, existential, like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, That is all happening and it can all happen at the same time. Yes. And it's interesting because anxiety and excitement feel like a similar place in your nervous system, you know, like they're, they're similar. And so how can you stay in the place of possibility for your life 
rather than from this existential place of what am I doing and what's my path and what's my plan, just sort of keeping that sense of possibility and wonder for your life that I think that both of us discovered over the past year. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, Nadia, this is so fun. I love talking with you. Yay. Thank you so much for joining us. We had so much fun recording that. If that resonated with you, let us know. We love, love hearing from you. You can DM us at Wild River or at Nadia Last or email us or share it with a friend, send it to somebody, leave a review. Those are great ways for, to support Wild River or uh, the current. We're happy that you're here Thank you for joining us. Join us for the workshop if that feels fun or supportive for you and talk to you soon.